Second Corinthians chapter four, verse six says this, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts, he's shown where? In our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of this power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. The point of what he's saying is here, he said, there may be a lot of stuff going on the outside, but you need to remember what is on the inside. Did you hear that? Because you can't dance when there's all hell breaking loose in your life if you don't understand what's going on on the inside. Amen? Light gives us the ability to see all that we have in Christ. Light. God is light. In 1 John, it says that in verse one, and chapter 1, verse 5, this is a message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all in God there is no darkness at all I don't know if this is a scientific fact you may correct me after the message after the message but um, I know light travels the speed of sound or the speed of 186,000 miles per second so this was my lightning fast mind I just thought if light travels that fast that's how fast darkness leaves so I just thought that was a neat tidbit, and uh, uh, we always talk about the speed of light, but I'm telling you, that's how fast darkness leaves. And just so you know, I, I do know this, that God is not bound by the speed of, of light. God travels way faster than 186. You know, they told me in the first service, light from the sun to the earth takes seven minutes. Well, it does not take God seven minutes to get anywhere. If you remember the story when he was res Jesus was resurrected and all of a sudden the doors were locked and the disciples were inside shaking, you know, in their boots and all of a sudden, boom, Jesus showed up. So wherever the speed of thought, that's how fast God can be anywhere. And I believe, this is my opinion, I believe that uh, when we get our glorified body, we will be the same. We won't take seven minutes to get from here to anywhere. If you want to travel to, to Saturn and see the rings, you could be there at the speed of thought. Boom, you're there. That's just my opinion. And uh, I'm thankful that I have opinion, you have opinion, so we're grateful. Not always. But anyway, this is a, um, an earthen vessel. This is a clay pot. There's... There's flaws in this. If I drop this, this can break. And uh, there's weakness in this. And it's not perfect, but it's flawed. But on the inside, there is something. A candle. You see it? Okay, good. <laughs> Wasn't that funny getting burnt? <laughs> Wasn't part of the illustration. Anyway. There are things that what we think are treasures. And I'm not trying to diminish or, or 
say that they're little, but there are treasures that people have that we have. We have gifts, we have talents, because like I said, you could take something out of this and say, oh, man, now that is a treasure. $100 bill. $100 bill is a pretty good treasure. Who would like to have a $100 bill? And some people don't think it pays to go to church. If you're watching online, you missed it. But anyway, uh, there are treasures, and yes, he does. He gets to keep that. His wife got really excited all of a sudden. She just thought I was going to get it back. He said, she went, what? And a happy new year. All right, but uh, there are treasures that we value, and they're all good and said and well and done but the greatest treasure that's in you and me is the light it's the light can you can everybody see the light I'm not taking it back out again just just to get you to laugh but anyway in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 this is the passion translation it says for God who said let brilliant light shine out of darkness is the one who has cascaded his light into us did you hear that He is the one who has cascaded his light into us. So we have that light on the inside of us. It says, the brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. So this light is Jesus. It's all that he represents. It's all that he is. Verse 7, we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within. So the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's, not ours. So he's saying everything that you and I do, once we see the light on the inside of us and what we are and what we have on the inside of us, life should change on the outside. And great things should happen because of what we have on the inside. But he said, remember this, it's going to be because people will know that it's not you, honey. It's not me, it is him. God be all the glory. So in verse 8, it says, Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. I'm going to stop there because when I was uh, studying this and put that down, I just felt like uh, when I was praying for everybody um, that somebody needs to hear that this morning. Quitting is not an option. Now, that may not speak to everybody, but there's someone here that that's going to speak to you. I'm going to say it again. It says that quitting, he says, we're, we're, we've got pressure. How many know life puts pressure on you? If you're breathing, you have pressure on you. But uh, there's a lot of pressure. There's trials and tribulation. But he says, we can even have pressure, but we're not crushed. And at times, we don't know what to do. But there's one thing, he says, that you need to know that you're not going to do. And that's quit. So that's for you. The Lord just spoke. Somebody says, I'd like to get a word. You just got one. (laughs) Don't quit. Verse 9. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that 
the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. God wants his resurrection life to be manifested through our humanity. So God's light, it doesn't get blown out, but I'm smelling the fumes there. But uh, his light is bright on the inside of you and me. I, you know, I've been preaching grace and some people may grasp hold of the revelation and uh, what we've been talking about. But I know that some people are, are having a hard time because on their life and what they see of other people's life is this, the flaws, the weaknesses, the fr being fragile, the imperfections, the meanness, the hardness, the sin. This is all on the outside. But what I want you to understand, on the inside, where that light is, there is no darkness. There is no flaw. There is no weakness. It's nothing but the bright light. So do you see what I'm trying to teach everyone and preach is that when you understand of what you are on the inside, that is the way that God sees you. Did you hear me? But this is what God wants you to know. That's the way he wants you to see you is the way that he sees you according to the glorious light that's on the inside of us. Are you hearing me? So we need to understand that that is on the inside of us. So many of us are trying to say our identity and who we are is this. Well, honey, I mean, it could, it could be a pretty pot. It could be a not-so-pretty pot. Could be an ugly pot. Could be a fat pot. Could be a skinny pot. Could be a pot full of pot. I mean, I mean, it's a pot. I'm kidding on the last one. I was just kidding. That was a bad one. But anyway, it's just a pot. I couldn't resist. Sometimes it's just so mischievous. But anyway, <laughs> we're talking about this pot, all right? Get your mind out of the gutter. All right, but uh, there's flaws. And a lot of times that's the way you think you, that's who you are is this. But God says, that's not you. What you, I see, and what you really are is this on the inside. And it's not just a little candle. If you could, if you could, if I could illustrate it this way, it would be like taking the sun and bottling it up and putting it on the inside of you. The power of the sun, the brilliancy of the sun. I mean, even we're millions of miles away and we can't even look at the sun. It's so bright. Can you imagine if you were up close and right next to the sun, how brilliant, how powerful, how glorious it would be. And God said that is just a small token of what's on the inside of you and me today. That's powerful. So do you think there's any darkness around the sun? Is there anything that could be weakened or anything around that could, you know, darkness in the Bible is representative of sin, of weakness, of the enemy, of demons, or anything negative and bad. It's darkness. But when you put the sun inside this pot, there is absolutely zero chance there's going to be one smidgen, you know what that means, uh, of darkness on the inside of this. That's the way you and I are today. The glorious light of the gospel. What is God's light? 
It says that God is light, but what is it? Well, I'm just going to hit a few because light is so many different things represented in the Bible. But one thing light is, it, first of all, is it's infinite. In other words, when light leaves the sun, when it leaves, it goes on forever and ever and ever. It doesn't end. It goes on. They say that our universe is continually expanding at the speed of light. 186,000 miles per second. It just keeps growing that fast because God said, let it be, and he didn't say, let it stop. So it continues to grow but uh, or keep going on. So light is infinite. Why? Because God is infinite. There is no end to God. There is no end to him. That's why God is love. You can't not exp- exp- uh, There is no way you can say, okay, I know all there is to know about love. No, because... God is love, so it's infinite. It keeps growing. You can gain knowledge and see knowledge, but there's more. And you see that, and there's more. And you see that, there's more. Everything to God, that's the way he is. When it comes to uh, seeing the grace and the mercy and the love of God, I've seen some parts of it, and then a few months later, I see more, and I understand more. It's the way God is. And so you and I, that's why I say the number one quality characteristic that you and I can possess is to be teachable because if you're not teachable you'll learn something about love and boom it will end right there amen but God's light is favor Psalms 5 says that we're surrounded with the favor of God God's light is his word his word is is light because uh, it says that your word in Psalms is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my past so therefore the word of God is light it gives you and me guidance I know where I need to go so people say I just don't know what to do I don't know which way to go yes you do yes you do you are full of the light so this is well let me keep going on you have wisdom God's light is wisdom God's light is the fruit of the spirit it's the fruit of the spirit so you have love you have joy you have peace you have kindness. You have his goodness. You have his faithfulness, his gentleness. You have self-control. The problem is that's all inside of you, and you need. And if you're needing wisdom, if you're needing favor, if you're needing uh, any part of the fruit of the Spirit to be manifested on the outside, you and I need to say this. I have your light, God. It's on the inside of me. It's burning red hot. Therefore, I know that I have patience. I just pray that you will help me to see that I do have patience. I pray that you will help me to see that I do have your favor. I pray that you will help me to see that I have your goodness on the inside of me. I can be loving. I can be kind. I can be gentle. I can be joyful. I can be joyful. Jesus is the ultimate light. He is light, and he's on the inside of us. So joy, speaking of joy, it starts and it ends with love. There is no end to it, but you, are, if you and I are going to experience joy. We're going to have to know something about the love of God, how much he loves you, how much he loves you. I, I believe once we understand that, it's going, people say, well, why don't you preach more on we need to love God? We need to love God. No. If I tell you, you need to love God, then it will become a legalistic love. 
What if your spouse found out that, you know, your mother says, you need to love your wife. You don't love your wife. You need to love it. Okay, I will. Well, what if your wife found that out? I know what most wives would do. Hmm. That wouldn't be true love, would it? So many times we can get religious and saying, you need to love God more. You need to love. And I've said that to myself. Mike, you just need to love God more. No, what we need to do. I know this sounds backwards. But if you and I have an understanding of how much God loves us, I don't have to tell you to love God more. Woo, that is good. I like that. So this is how we live from joy. This is how we live from joy, understanding how much God loves you. Joy is going to be more manifested when you and I understand it. John 15, this chapter talks about love. There's a chord, a theme that runs through John and in verse 11 of John chapter 15. It says, I have told you these things, this is Jesus speaking, so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So joy does not depend upon circumstances, God is saying, Jesus is saying. Joy does not depend on circumstances. So when people say, if I could just get a better job, I would have joy. <laughs> if I could just get a better spot, no, we won't go. But if I could just get a better, fill in the blank, I would have joy. If I could just get a better body you know the next year i'm getting on a diet i'm just if i would just have that no it's the same you maybe more of you but it's the same you honey no you have to understand that joy is not dependent upon circumstances aren't you thankful that it's not why because then you're gonna you're gonna be happy up and down joyful up and down but God says I'm not making joy dependent upon anything on the outside I have put joy on the inside that's there 24 7 that cannot be taken from you by any demon by any Satan himself or any circumstance it can't be taken away now you and I can be blinded to it by saying and not realizing that it's in you but if you understand that you have the light on the inside of you, 24-7, and it's burning bright, then you can see joy anytime you and I want to. I said anytime. You know what? That's such good news. Why? Because just like that couple that falls into the pool, you can still be dancing in the pool. You're not going to let a pool stop you. Oh, you're in your dress. Everybody else goes, you, that was a tuxedo, and that was your, oh, that dress is so good. And now you're wet. Yeah, I'm wet. You can only dance in the midst of something bad going on if you understand what's on the inside of you, not what's your experience on the outside. Are you hearing me? I know that um, yesterday I, I saw uh, my sister's son's wife whatever that's is that a niece-in-law I said this in the first service she's a relative but anyway uh, she was saying that uh, her daughter would have uh, uh, been 19 years old yesterday and uh, she passed away when she was three so that was 16 years ago yesterday and um, 
they were part of our church at that time, and uh, it was really a tragedy. Nothing. I mean, one minute she's healthy, and, and she passes away, and we're doing a funeral, one of the toughest funerals I've ever done in my life. And, um, but it was tragic to our family, and it was something that uh, I really had a tough time, and it was probably the closest time that I wanted to quit as a minister because I was believing God, and it didn't happen. And so uh, I'm not going to go there, explain whatever. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, people who don't know God will say God took her or God must have had some kind of reason. No. I said no. God is a good father. He doesn't take or kill. God, thou shalt not murder. God lives by that, by the way. I'm just saying. You know, a lot of people says, oh, God took that thing. Oh, so God believes in murder. Anyway, but... Um, my point is this, is that what she said in Facebook just, it brought great, what's the word? No, it was joy, what she said. She sat there and said that, um, you know, when Alexa passed away, she would go to the funeral or the cemetery, and uh, she said, I had an altar of grief. And I would just burst and cry and had, it was just a time of grieving. But she said, I turned that, listen to me, I turned that into an altar of praise. I thought, wow. That is so powerful. What did that? Understanding what's on the inside, not what's going on the outside. I don't know about you, but that's probably the toughest thing that a parent could experience almost is is that and yet in the midst of that turn an altar of grief into something that the devil can't touch the devil can say oh yeah she would have been 19 oh yeah this and oh yeah that and oh we miss her so much and it, the grieving process I've seen people grieve for months I've seen people grieve for years I've seen people grieve for decades and I am not exaggerating you think, oh, you, when you're talking to them, you think they, they passed away, you know, three months ago. Oh, when they passed away? Oh, 1967. Okay. What's the problem? Something's wrong, honey. I'm not trying to belittle that, but something's definitely wrong. You can miss them, yeah, but grieve, nuh-uh. The Bible says we do not sorrow as the world sorrows. Why? Because the world has no hope about this. But you and I should not be sorrowing and grieving uh, for decades. I don't know the process or time frame, but I do know this. The more that you understand of what is on the inside, the less that grieving process is going to be. It's a powerful thing, joy. Colossians 1.26 says it this way. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise. We all like surprises, don't we? A secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifest for every holy believer to experience. Within Living within you is Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it I'm going to say it again the mystery of Christ embedded within us if you're born again if you are a believer in Jesus this is in you I'm talking about you today 
talking about everybody watching online today, becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. I think our problem is sometimes we're not communicating that to our relatives, to the people at work, to people around us. We need to communicate the goodness of Almighty God who is the greatest, most awesome Father on the planet and ever could be. We need to tell the world about it. God says, I want everybody to know this. I'm thankful for the people who come to church. I'm thankful for the thousands who watch online. But honey, every person on this planet needs to know this. You, when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, the riches of God get imp imparted to you, and it's just the light is cascaded. It's like the brilliancy of the sun is placed on the inside of you. Full of glory, full of power, full of love, full of the goodness of God. We need to let the world know. Verse 28, Christ is our message we preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become my inspiration and passion and ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one. His, did you hear that now? Revelation of being his perfect one and Jesus Christ. So what God is saying on the inside of you is nothing but perfection. I don't see anything but perfection. Why? Because when the light is so bright, there's no darkness. Darkness represents sin. It represents everything of the world, the curse, the devil. Anything bad is represented in darkness. And thank God it can leave that quick. 186,000 miles per second, it leaves that quick. But the good thing is, is that that light is on the inside of you and therefore there is none of that darkness or anything remotely. There's not one little crack of darkness in the side. No, when the light, when God shows up, there is no darkness within him whatsoever or can be even around him because of the brightness of his glory. And that's what's inside you and me. So when I say God sees you perfect, now does that give you a better picture? God sees you perfect. Everybody say, God sees me perfect. Because of him. That's what he is on the inside of you. And we are one with that light. First uh, Corinthians 6.17 says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So you and I are one with that light. With that light. And because of that, there's no darkness on the inside of me. There's no darkness. You know, it's just my nature. No, honey. You just don't see right. I said, you're not seeing right. That is why the light is on the inside. You and I need to be able to see differently than whatever. Everybody else can be seeing this. But that's not what you and I need to be seeing. You and I need to see according to what God sees. What does God see? He says, I see the believer, the revelation of being his perfect one. You need to dwell on that. Write that down. Put it on your refrigerator. Make that a... Sun visor scripture. You pull a screen. Whoa, I'm perfect today. Jesus sees me as perfect because I have his light. I'm one with the light. Wow, I am pretty awesome dude because of that. And it's not because of you, not because of what you can do. It's because of his glorious light that is 
in you. So, but life can be tough. We all know that. Just like the video, you fall into the pool every once in a while. It can be tough. It can be unexpected. They weren't expecting that, especially if you're at a dance floor. Who would say, oh, what happened? We went dancing last night and we fell in the pool. <laughs> Things can happen unexpectedly. Bad, let me rephrase that. Bad things can happen unexpectedly. I didn't think this was going to be in my future. Well, nobody does. I mean, you don't, when you're 10, you don't think, well, I didn't know I was going to be uh, in a terrible accident and lose one eye or whatever. But the good news is this. You can believe God for that eye. That's another story. But this is it. What are you going to do with what happens? Because the world responds like the world does. When something tragic happens, they think there's no hope. When something bad happens, there's no way out. And so we are going to respond just like the world and and cry and have self-pity and think that life, look what life has dealt me. I guess God doesn't really care that much because of what happened to me. That's the way the world responds. But it should not be the response of a believer. Now, I'm not saying I haven't responded like the world. All of us in here have probably responded like the world at one time. But I'm here preaching this to remind you and me, reminding us, this is how we should respond. Because life can be tough. Let's, uh, I'm not trying to downplay that. But God has given us his light, and that light is a force of joy for you and me. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. So it's inside of you. Joy is just like the sun exploding and burning red hot on the inside of you. Joy is burning hot on the inside of you and me today. Proverbs 17.22 says a joyful heart is good medicine. What kind of heart? We just have to look on the inside to see that we have a joyful heart. You don't look on the outside at the circumstance that's going on. You look on the inside and know that I have joy on the inside of me. And if you do that, it says a joyful heart is good medicine. What does medicine do for you? Well, it makes whatever's wrong, it cures it or helps it recover. You know, unlike unlike the medicine, have you seen those commercials on TV that talk about this certain drug and it starts listing, you know, real fast and speed reading or whatever, all of the the side effects that could happen. Oh, it could cause diarrhea, it could cause a headache, and could cause blindness, and could cause this, and then the last, and could cause death. And you can buy this. Purchase it, ask it from your doctor. You go, I don't want that medicine. You know, the last one, it could cause death. Just makes you want to jump up and let's go run to the drugstore. Anyway, I'm not. Try- I'm saying there's medicine. It's good. I know. I understand. But it, I, it's just I'm trying to make a point that this medicine has no side effects. There is no side effects from God's medication, and His medication is joy. But then it goes on to say, "But a crushed spirit dries up the bones." Or you could say this, depression, sadness. It dries up the bones. It causes dryness in your life and my life. But we, there again, we don't want to let circumstances dictate to you and me whether or not we have joy or not. Paul was in prison for two solid years. Two years. And in prison, he wrote Philippians. 
the theme of Philippians is joy. That tells you and me that Paul understood what was on the inside of him. And it was not going to let what was outside of him determine what kind of life he was going to have. He wrote in Philippians, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. And you keep reading Philippians, you know, 15, 20 minute reading that letter uh, to the Philippian church. He's, it's be joyful. Paul, you're, you're in prison. I mean, it's a prison that doesn't have HBO. I mean, it, it's a bad place. Dark. And he's writing about joy. How can somebody do that? They understand. They see something that nobody else sees. The other prisoners probably looking at him and said, something's wrong with that guy. He got hit in the head. He's just laughing over there, smiling. He's praising God, thanking God. I mean, you know, Paul and Silas, we, uh, so many people talk about that story. They're in prison and their backs have been beaten. They're in stocks, you know, in the middle of the prison. But Paul and Silas at midnight, the darkest hour is represented by midnight. It says at midnight, they began to praise and sing unto God. Why? What's going on? You can put me in stocks. You can beat my back but I have a joy that's on the inside of me that you cannot touch. You can't take it from me. You can't make it go away by beating me. You can't, you can't even make it uh, light. It is so bright on the inside of me, and I'm going to let you know about it. And they begin to praise God and sing out to God. And the Bible says when they did that, the whole prison was shaken and the stocks fell off. What does that say? That's what, joy is a powerful thing for you and me. It's powerful. In the church, we need to be reminded of this because so many times we let the toughness of life drain us. We let the, the circumstances of life drain us and God is saying, there is something on the inside of you that will empower you 24-7. It's better than any Energizer bunny, man. I'm telling you, it will never, ever slow down. The power of God. But it says that uh, when you have depression or sadness, it dries up your bones. It causes dryness. Deuteronomy. So no joy produces dryness. Just remember that. Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 7 says this. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. I didn't know what that meant, natural vigor. You know, I went, natural vigor, what does that mean? His natural vigor did not diminish. Um, how many of you know that when you're growing old, it can cause you to lose moisture? How many know that when you're growing old, you, especially if you live in Colorado, you should know this. If I was in Kentucky, they wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But, I mean, it, growing old, can, you can lose moisture in your skin, causes wrinkles shriveled up you know make you look like a prune i mean it, it can lack of moisture does really really are you getting a picture i can keep talking and give you a better mental picture if you want but i mean i don't really want to go there but i mean growing old can do that but it doesn't have to look up natural vigor in your strong's concordance you know what it means the young's translation translated it the way that you and I can understand. Are you ready for the Young's 
literal translation. Deuteronomy 34, 7 says this. And Moses is a son of 120 years when he dieth. His eye has not become dim, nor hath his moisture fled. Isn't that good? You understand that? His moisture did not flee his body. I wonder why. He lived in a uh, super humid climate. No, that's not why. I mean, the Middle East is not Kentucky. Let me tell you, I mean, there's not a big humidity there. But even, I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is his moisture from his body didn't leave. Why? I believe there's some of the Old Testament saints that understood joy a lot better than the New Covenant saints. They had joy and they understood joy and they realized that it was something that they could not be taken from them. I believe Moses, I believe Sarah, 100 years old and she was still a hot mama because some king wanted to take her and put her into his harem. You can't look like a prune and want to be uh, taken. I'm just being honest. Well, I know you don't want to be all holy and religious here. I'm just saying, if, if somebody's 100 years old, you want to say, I want her to be in my harem. No! That's just a scary thought, and you probably need therapy. But anyway, she was 100 years old, and the king says, I'm, I'm, come on. And the, she had to have moisture in her. She was not some prune looking woman. I mean, she was like. <laughs> the Bible says when she heard that she was going to be pregnant, even that the Bible says she was behind the tent and she laughed when she heard that. So she knew something about joy. She thought it was going to be a joke for her to get pregnant, of course, but she could laugh like a lot of Christians need to learn. But, uh, or at least tell your face. But anyway, you have joy on the inside of you. And some of these Old Testament saints understood that. And it helped them with their looks as far as expectancy on their life. I didn't go there in the first service, so it's probably good. I mean, and I'm going to have to wrap this up real quick. But anyway, moisture. His natural vigor did not leave him. I believe he knew how to laugh. I believe he knew how to look on the inside. I believe he knew how to look on who God was to him. His eyesight, still 2020. Some of us need to have 2020 vision on what's on the inside. Nehemiah is a, a story that's told and most people, or a lot of people know that uh, a scripture and they, they quote this, but let me just give you a backdrop on what was going on for Nehemiah. They found the law, the word of God, and uh, they realized that they were not keeping the law. And so uh, when Nehemiah started revealing to them what the word said, they realized that we are in trouble. We are sinners and we've been sinning big time. And so that's the backdrop of what Nehemiah said. Nehemiah was such a strong, great leader. Listen to what he does. Uh, in verse 8, he says, they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Now, he read from morning till night. He was reading the word. 
Verse 9, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. I mean, they were sad and depressed, crying. Man, we, have, we are such terrible people. Sounds like a lot of Christians today. Verse 10, moving right along. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. This is for all the people who don't believe in eating desserts. It's squepcha. <laughs> Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. Why? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. He was trying to tell them, listen, there can be stuff that's happening on the outside. There are things that are happening on the outside that may you want to give into to cause you to be depressed, to cause you to be sad. But he says there is something on the inside called joy, and it will strengthen you and cause you to dance no matter what circumstance you're in. We do not need to be depressed. We do not need to be sad. You just need to look on the inside and see what God has done for you, and you will dance no matter what's going on on the outside. Amen. Philippians 4.4 4 says this, the Passion Translation. Be cheerful. This is a command, by the way. Be cheerful. How can he demand something? You say, well, you don't understand what I've been going through. You don't understand, and you're not seeing what's on the inside of you. So you can choose to be joyful. He said, be cheerful with joyous celebrations in every season of life. I think this would be for anybody that's retired as well. Just because you get old does not mean you have to get old and cranky. And if you're a teenager, just because you're having a hard time, I'm going to pick on the young people now. Does not mean you have to be young and cranky. And if you're middle age, it does not mean you have to think, oh, man, I'm halfway through my life, that you need to be cranky. It says be cheerful and joyous celebration every season of life. Let joy overflow for you are, why? Listen to me, for you are united with the anointed one. That's Philippians 4.4, the Passion Translation. You are, how can you be joyful? This is how you can be joyful because you are united with the anointed one, the light that we've been talking about. You're one with him. And if you understand and you see that, and we have light, God even provides the flashlight. You understand? He provides light so you can see. What do you need to see? That you're one with the anointed one. And if you're one with the anointed one, then you're one with joy. You're anointed with joy. Real quick. Matthew 11, 28 says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? That's a lot of people in church. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
So this is what he's saying. You hang around Jesus and he will show you how to live a wonderful life. He will show you what's contained on the inside of you. Romans 14, 17, the Passion Translation. I'll close with this. Well, I got one more. The kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but it is a realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. Why did he list three things there about the kingdom? Righteousness, because this, the church, I'm going to preach on righteousness sometime in the beginning of the year. And it's because of this. We have to see ourselves as righteous and the power of what it is. Why? Because if we understand and have a revelation that we're righteous, the curse can't get on anything righteous. You look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, sickness, poverty, lack, depression, anything negative or bad cannot attach itself to righteousness. But if you don't know you're righteous, it will definitely try and will have success. But he says the kingdom is righteousness. So you have to understand that. But it's also peace. In Hebrew, that's shalom. That's everything salvation is. Tranquility, health, healing, prosperity, favor, the goodness of God. Everything that salvation is. So it's peace. But then he tacks on a third one. Joy. Why did he pick joy out of all the fruit of the Spirit? Why did he grab that one? I believe he understood what man was going to be like, obviously. And that he would struggle in that one fruit than any of the other fruits. Because stuff does happen. Tragedy does happen. We don't have all the answers. But God says, I'm going to give you something that can give you victory in the midst of it. If you see it, you can have victory in the midst of it. I am righteous. I am saved. But God is saying something far more to you and to me today that he wants you to understand joy. It is a force. It is a power that's on the inside of you. And if you're going to have the wonderful life, then you have to understand and see joy. It's in you. When I was in Africa, uh, not traveling, but as a missionary working with mom and dad Hagemar, I did something real stupid. I, most of you heard this testimony. I, I was trying to be evil can evil on a motorcycle. And I was doing Mach 1 and turned 90 degrees in sand. Needless to say, it didn't turn. And I went flying over this ditch, and the I went off the motorcycle, and the motorcycle crashed on my foot up against the bank of this big ditch that I went across. I was airborne, and the motorcycle just hit my foot. I don't even like telling it because I still have the picture in my mind of being like Evil Knievel, flowing through the air with nothing underneath you. <laughs> Not a good picture. Anyway, it broke my foot. And so they didn't have, you know, really great technology. And, and so they did this, this x-ray uh, machine. And it was, how big was it, Mel? I mean, it was like the first one ever invented. <laughs> when they turned it on, it went, Dum! first of all, the noise scared the snot out of me. You know, and it was like this huge monster, like huge. And so when they took a picture of my foot, it's like, That's my foot. That's how fade the picture was. But anyway, it was broken. And, uh, but so they put a cast on it. And then a few weeks later, uh, you know, a friend of mine and me used pipe cutters and we cut it off. And I thought it was good to go. 
I could not touch my foot to the, it just hurt to touch. And weeks went by, weeks more went by, and uh, I could tell something was not right for sure because Melody was an RN, and so she said, it shouldn't be turning purple all the time when it's hanging down. You know, no matter what, it would be dark purple. And so, uh, and I was on crutches this whole time, and so I would, I would got up and prop it up, and then it would just go to a light blue. And so it was good. But I, after a while, I just, the devil started plaguing me because I'm speaking a word to it and speaking and speaking, and it, it's just hurting. Something fierce, I'm taking all we had is Advil. I'm taking Advil 24-7. Even in the middle of the night, I wake up and take Advil just to get the pain. But um, I, the devil started talking to me saying, you're going to be crippled for life. You'll never walk on that foot again. And so it, it did make me nervous and scared. And, but the Lord gave me this scripture that I'm going to read to you today. And it changed the outcome. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17... This was a terrible time for Israel. It says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. How many understand this is bad? This means there's no, you're going to starve to death because there's nothing to eat, and there's no, nothing even in the storage realm. So this is really, really bad. This is what he said. You see this. But then Habakkuk says this in verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He says, I see what's going on, but I'm going to rejoice in God. Why? Because God will take care of me and provide for me no matter what's going on. It may be empty and barren, but God's going to provide for me. And then he says in verse 19, this is what the Lord spoke to me uh, 20-something years ago. He says, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. And he's not talking about high heels. He's talking about the high places that God has for you and me. And so in Swahili, I got this in Swahili. It's kamakalungu. Is that right? Kamakalungu. Makes my feet like hind's feet. So I look at my foot, and I would say, kamakalungu. And I... One day, dad encouraged me. He says, just do it by faith. So I put the crutches down and I started walking. If you call it that, I mean, it was just, you know, like, it was painful. And I would cry. That's how I'm not like the Marines. I'm in the Air Force. We don't like pain. So, I mean, I was crying. I cried like a baby and I wasn't, I don't care. He'd be, Aren't you embarrassed? Nope, nope. But anyway, it was hurting, and I kept, I kept, and what I did was, and days went by, I would just speak to it and say, Kamakalungu, Kamakalungu, you foot, you are healed, you are like the deer, and I'm going to run on you, and, and I never picked up the crutches again. A few days went by, and I just, I did run. I ran on it. And did it hurt? Oh, yeah. But the next day, it was less. The next day, less. And I don't know what day, but I, there was absolutely no pain whatsoever. And so I got up before that even, when it was still hurting, I got up and I did my first testimony in Swahili. I don't know if you remember that. I, I would always have an uh, interpreter because I, I knew enough of the language, but not enough to, I don't preach line upon, I mean, 
I, you know, I just preach whatever comes out. But uh, so I, I had to have an interpreter all the time. But that time I got up and I gave my testimony in Swahili with no interpreter. And I remember reading this and explaining that my, because everybody saw me walking for weeks on crutches. Everybody thought, man, when is he going to not be on crutches? You know, and so when I left the crutches and they saw me walking around, I got up and I told my story and testimony in Swahili. And I said, my foot is like Habakkuk. It's the Kamakalumbu. It's like the foot of a deer. And so ever since then, that's been 20-something years ago, I maybe not run like a deer, but I can run. <laughs> but you have to be joyful about it. I pray that, let's just stand, we'll close. But uh, when things aren't going the way that you plan, when things aren't going right, tragedy happens and stuff is just happening, know what's on the inside. Don't just look on the outside. Don't just look on the outside. Look at what's on the inside of you. And if you see what's on the inside, and you can see it. People say, I just don't have this joy. Yes, you do. You need to speak. I have God's light on the inside of me. Therefore, I have joy. And joy is forceful and powerful. It is so powerful. It can look at something that when the cupboards are bare, it can look at your checkbook and when it's in the red, when you look at your body and you see pain and you feel pain, it it can look at that and it can come alive inside of you and you can be praising and thanking God and joy can just burst out inside of you. You need to do that. I encourage you to do that. Is it the easiest thing? Not initially. Not initially. But if somebody can cause an altar of grief of someone that has passed away and turn that into an altar of praise, that tells me you and I have strength to do that. And listen to me. When you do that, strength will be manifested on the outside. We're waiting for the outside to be strong and then we'll do it. That's not how it works. You're getting a cart before the horse. You got to let joy come out and then you'll have strength to do anything. You'll have strength. Amen. Let me pray for you.